Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, so welcome to episode 42. I'm here with um, Richard, Pratish, and um, Venkat today. So welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, hey, Jeremy. How's your, how's your week been, Rich? It has been very, very busy. It's kind of the death march between uh, now and all the conferences that are coming up. So long, long days and weekends. And yeah, I know. We were in a bar on Saturday, and you look like you're, you're pretty much on a full day at work, right? And that's what Red Bull's for. <laughs> and they just splash a vodka later on, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> we... Um, I mean, Europe, Build and Ignite. I've got London. I'm leaving Thursday, so the day this show comes out, I'm going to be on a plane back to the motherland. I did Sydney two weeks ago, so it's like two motherlands in, in two weeks. You pretty much just live on a plane these days. Uh, only for the rest of May, and then I, hopefully it starts to quieten down a little bit. I'm hoping so too. Yeah, we've um, after Ignite, I've got a bit of a break. We've got a week break, and then uh, there's Dev Intersections, which you're coming as well. That's right, weekend. Phoenix this year. So uh, Yeah, like... This radical place to go. Like, I know. Every time I tell someone I'm doing that, when they're like, oh, Vegas, I'm like, no, no, not this time. Right, right. So, so there's some good keynotes there by the Goo and um, Hats on Swinging Down. and Goo's will be Goo's there. Goo's will be there as well, yeah. right? So th- there'll be some solid content there. I think it'll be interesting because we would have announced a bunch of stuff at Building Night and those talks would have gone and they'd be polished. But then they'll go there and it'll be like exactly the same again, but even more polished. And well, I also think people will know some of it, right? And they might have let it digest and I think we'll get some good questions out of yeah, yeah. out of that conference. So. so so just as a shout out to that team, they've still got tickets available and there's workshops which actually uh, Scott Hillier is doing there around Office 365 Dev. And if you attend the two workshops on the last day, they'll actually give you a Surface 3, the new device that's just been announced and, and out in a few weeks, I believe. Are we eligible? Unfortunately, we're employees of Microsoft, so no. But I love one of those Surface 3s. Can, can I be an independent for that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just turn up without the Microsoft patch on and be like, oh, Surface 3, this is great. I would love one of those just from a kind of a meeting roaming device, you know, a bit of a pen to sketch on and, and then just have a, a solid laptop as an additional device. As it's well. the full build, so you could actually yeah. put Visual Studio on it. And, yeah, you know, I, you'd be brave to do that on that device, I think, but apparently it does run. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, talking with Scott Hillier, he's posted another article on IT Unity. So he's been doing a fair bit of work with TypeScript. And he's, so he's talking about SharePoint 2013 apps on prem and in SharePoint Online using TypeScript to kind of take away some of the data binding and the kind of this type sensitivity and the compilation stuff, which we all know we get tripped up on in JavaScript. So have you done much work with TypeScript yet? A little bit. You know, it's, um, you're seeing what kind of is in the pipe between, you know, some of the things going on with Angular with Google and Microsoft um, and, and kind of bringing some of the TypeScript stuff forward with that. I'll probably be giving it a lot more attention in the near future. So. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of done the Angular bandwagon and um, Andrew Connell and um, Dan Wallin are doing like, the Node bandwagon at Build. So it'd be good to kind of look back around and tie that all back together with TypeScript, I guess. Yep. The good thing about that blog post is that he's done it all in Visual Studio. So it shows all the native support that Visual Studio gives you on top of a SharePoint app project, which is nice. And then the other big news, which got retweeted like nobody's business this week, was uh, Vesa posted about the new CSOM endpoints in, in SharePoint. So there's a bunch of new goodness available in SharePoint Online and will be available on SharePoint Server once we when we ship that those new updates. 
And all of it's based, again, on the work that the patterns and practice team have done where there were gaps that were uh, in SharePoint server object model that weren't in the client-side object model, and they've kind of added those there. So definitely go and check that out if you're doing any development uh, with the app model and you want to use CSOM, or even if you're using FTC and you want to use CSOM. The more you can switch now to using CSOM over kind of the server-side object model, it's definitely a better approach when it comes to like that transformation later on. And there's some really cool stuff that I was seeing in, in that latest update that uh, I think really played to the benefits of some of the things CSOM support. So, you know, things like managing, like sharing and having maybe that being a part of provisioning as you go and create sites and be able to, you know, deal with kind of that property of a site. So yeah. cool stuff that's out there. And a lot of it, some of it was tied to site provisioning as well. So like setting the regional settings and language settings and the audit settings when you spin up a site. Yeah, secondary owner. Right, all that right. Stuff. So yeah. that, those kind of things you could only do like by some of the old school ASMX endpoints or CSOM if you're on server. So it's nice that we've got those there. And there were some questions from some ISVs around the migration APIs that we mentioned in that post as well. The documentation team's working very hard to get that out there too. So and keep, keep your eyes posted on our podcast for more information around those migration APIs. And then uh, two more. Kirk Evans, Mr. I'm not going to do SharePoint development anymore after moving to the Azure Dev Center of Excellence, has now posted blog post eight on SharePoint within the last three weeks, I think. <laughs> um, so I owe him a beer or two for sure for that. And this one is an absolute blinder. Have you had a chance to read that one? What's interesting, so Kurt did a, a post on basically the application proxy that we can do with Azure. Um, and that's that's actually, I'm doing some things in a build session around that. It's a pretty sweet thing where I can, you know, if I, ha I have all these services that now run the cloud and I want to get to on-premises data, you know, Azure has offered things in the past like service bus to maybe get through. And this is a little bit more of a, I would say, an enterprise scale way of, of being able to do some of that. So it's a, re it's a really good post, something that, that I think a lot of organizations that are moving to the cloud are going to be interested to learn more about. I think the hybrid scenario is really important with it. I think it'll be great to see like customers actually take this on because uh, the questions we had at Tech Europe was, well, you've shown the app launcher and this is great, but you know, we want to have that kind of application integration on, on, on premises as well. Yep. So having that tie is going to be really cool. And Kurt does a great job of like screenshotting it so you can really visually see what you're going to get for, from doing that with your on-prem AD up to Azure AD with that proxy. And I think you know that's only going to get better as we start shipping the updates to SharePoint Server 2016 and with Exchange Server 2016 as well. Yeah, I'm going to call you out here. When is Kirk going to be a guest on here? You know what? This is true story. He's in London this week. And I spoke to him on Monday. I said, we need to get him on to talk about this. CJ and AC keep stealing him on their pod show. And if you haven't listened to the show that Kirk was on, he I think we've talked about this before, his accent just makes me laugh. <laughs> he has all these weird, like mannerisms and words he uses that just crack me up like he's a true kind of like cowboy slang in there so he's I not even he, the show. he lives in texas but he's he's i think originally from georgia right he's, he's somewhere down south yeah. yeah like it's just the words he uses hilarious it's just the flip side to people laughing at my accent i guess but it, okay. it's different enough for me well y'all can just make fun of me too <laughs> you're gonna like lay it on thick I, I can do it. <laughs> um, and then lastly, our, our we call them CPUB internally, but our documentation team, um, Andrew Burns' team, have put together some great kind of snippets and some samples around connecting to the various APIs. They'd already released the iOS samples, but today uh, they've just shipped the new Android code sample snippet. So you can go in there and see 
uh, how to go and call various different exchange endpoints and SharePoint endpoints and OneDrive for business endpoints really quickly using the Android SDK. I kind of like it because it's not quite as dry as Docker. Like you can get the sample up and running and, and, and then just kind of step through the code and see exactly what it's doing. So they're, they're available on uh, dev.office.com, white code samples, so go and check those out. So, um, right, we've got that out of the way. It's been a fairly busy week in terms of blogs and announcements, which is exciting. Um, I'm dreading next week because then I've got the Evolutions conference where we're announcing some stuff at the keynote there in London. And then Build, there's going to be like just crazy amounts of announcements that week. And so the pog shows that we do in the next few weeks are going to be a little bit nuts. So um, the 30 minute intro to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we the whole show is just going to basically, basically unveiling the curtain and explaining what, what's been happening in that week, which is cool. So we've got two guys here. Patricia Venkat, so welcome to the show, guys. You've been sitting there patiently quiet as we've gone through the updates for the week. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, my name is Pratish. I'm a program manager, lead at the, with the Outlook team, focusing on all things developer, especially extending Office so that your applications can run in Office. Venkat? Uh, thanks, Pratish. My name is Venkat, and I'm the uh, lead for the APIs, for REST APIs, for Exchange Web Services. Basically, any, you know, for the REST APIs, basically give your apps a really rich way to connect into Office 365 and fetch any mail, calendar, contact information you want for users. Investing very heavily in that, and I think I'm excited to talk about some of the updates there, which we're getting ready for build. So one of the things we do on the show is, like, how long have you worked at Microsoft? I'm looking around your office, Venkat, and... Oh, you did tell me, dude. Yeah. I wrote it down and I forgot to tell you. Okay. I've seen a crystal up here. Um, How how long have you been here? Uh, Completed seven years. Yeah, far out. uh, Yeah, all six out of those in Exchange, Outlook, Exchange slash Outlook teams doing different things. And have you always been in this building like that? Different buildings. It's moved around. I, I... I got lucky. I've only I was my first year was in thirty one. Yeah. And then which is next door. Yeah. And then I moved to this building for six years. But don't ask me how many rooms I've been in. Yeah. In fact, now I've learned not to unpack. I, it's yeah. very easy to move. <laughs> yeah, you're because, not kidding. because when they yeah. tell me it's time to move, I just go put the tape again on the boxes. <laughs> my office is exactly the same. I stack of boxes. Just yeah. Like there's a few people that like, I think Bill Bear's the funniest. He's got so much stuff in his office, like just all like decked out. But you can tell the people that have been here long enough that they just they have their computer on their desk, a few coffee cups, and then a couple boxes yeah. where they just haven't packed from the, the last. Yeah, one of these day. days when I have free time, I'll open the boxes and throw everything out because <laughs> if, it's, if I haven't needed the stuff in the boxes, I probably don't need them. But <laughs> one of these days. Yeah. And how about yourself, Jeff? Sixteen years in Microsoft. Sixteen I came, years. I know. I know. Came straight straight out of school. I did different games. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I, and so I got recruited from school. And just never, you know, always loved things working Microsoft. It always challenged me. There were different opportunities. I changed teams around a bunch, but Exchange has been my largest, uh, you know, longest time. Where else have you worked on the next Exchange? Uh, I worked at uh, Foppy uh, for a bit and then yeah. got merged into Exchange. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then in Exchange, I was uh, working in uh, kind of infrastructure tools and, and uh, like how to check in and do small validation. And then I've been now in the ex- ecosystem team, which is all yeah. about developers. So. Yeah, the other... Yeah, that's a nice part here. You get to do all kinds of stuff. So in in addition to the APIs, I own Outlook connectivity to Exchange for the server side, which means it made it easy for you guys to transition over to... Yeah, so that's kind of a... It's really interesting, the the APIs piece of developers, new applications, new things. And Outlook is about a very story client. It's been there for a long time. So did you work on like the auto-discovery <coughs> API? I own auto-discover as well. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, and then... Uh, 
With Outlook, the challenge is always we go and we have completely revamped things underneath the covers, yeah. but without anything changing for users. Because for them, if Outlook changes the way it works, it's work stoppage. Right. So it's complete opposite of my API thing, where API we're changing things constantly on the top so that yeah. people can do new things. With Outlook, it's all underneath the covers with right. nothing showing up you top. So yeah. you can never break them. So it's pretty interesting. So you know, we've talked a lot in the past with the app model and kind of our developer vision around what it means for us all up. But from an exchange perspective, we've had like Andrew Salamatov on the show. Um, we've had Matthias on the show as well. Okay. And actually, some of those are the most popular episodes. People are really kind of interested in what you guys are doing. And I think a lot of that's because we all live in Outlook all day long, sadly. That's right. I'd love to just be in the studio all day, but we spend a lot of time in mail, setting up calendar invites for the meetings that we have. What kind of things excite you about being in this ecosystem team and like this story on the dev side? A great question, Jeremy. I mean, the, the, the thing that brings me, makes me excited to work here every day is this vision of uh, making users productive. We have a billion users using Outlook. And I think Jeremy touched the core uh, point here. We find ourselves spending a lot of time in Outlook, but yet context switching all the time to use other applications to get things done. So really broadly, there are two kinds of scenarios here in this platform. One is extending office, another one is connecting to office. Extending to office is what I call bring your apps to office. And basically, hey, instead of context switching to use these other applications, what if these applications could be right inside Office, inside Outlook for that matter? So these are the add-ins, right? These are the add-ins, exactly. And your add-in could be right there, deeply enhancing the reading experience or the Compose experience. So the users could easily use that to uh, look up uh, their contact in Salesforce or uh, pay somebody through the expense application uh, or um, sign a document electronically through DocuSign. And if you look at this, this is a great productivity enabler. And you've built some apps as well, Rich. I remember when, before I joined, you were doing like the help desk ticketing system, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, that, I'll just kind of plug it for another reason. I know, Jeremy, you said you think that it's popular because everyone lives in Outlook. I would go further to say that I think some of the, the app things that we're doing on the Outlook side are some of the more interesting scenarios because they are so contextual, you yeah. know? Um, you know, I, it's funny when I go to a dev camp and we kind of go through our entire app model that covers, you know, everything. It seems like when we get to lab time, everyone wants to go build Outlook apps, right? right? Because, you know, they're so cool and contextual. So if I have a, a help desk ticket that comes in, maybe I can put a regular expression to match a help desk ticket number and not, not have to go out to like a system like Remedy or something to see the details. I can yeah. see it right there. Or, you know, all those scenarios that, that you guys have already mentioned. So I think it's, and, and even on the API side, right, is we have, you know, I, I don't know of an application out there that doesn't have some idea of a contact or a user, yeah. right? And, and you know, Outlook's really where I want, I want that to be my definitive source. So. Totally, totally. So you touched on a good thing, contextual. Uh, one of the key things we've done recently is contextual highlighting. So when you build an app now, an add-in, uh, in your manifest, you can say, hey, uh, activate my app whenever there is an attachment. And that's how you can see app, apps, add-ins like DocuSign works. But now you can say, hey, activate my app when it matches this regular expression, and that looks like a bug number, or it looks like an RFC number. And then that number is highlighted whenever people are naturally talking about it in email, in peer-to-peer -peer conversations. And now people can just find that highlighted 
entity, click on it, and the add-in just shows up. Yeah. Again, saving a lot of time because I can look up that, for example, we use it to look up products, uh, bugs in this application called Product Studio. Always we've been context switching, but now I can look up the bug easily, who the, which developers assigned to, what's this bug about. And so like it can be in conversation within the email thread and you just click on it. Correct. And the key value being I never had to leave email and didn't, you know, the context of my email is right there. It, I just had to hover my mouse over to that highlighted entity and yeah. click on it and I was able to... Uh, I like the, the, the Big Mac ones is really useful. Yeah. The amount of times you get an email, like an address in an email, and the first thing you do is you copy and paste the address into Bing Maps or Google Maps and like, look. Whereas now you just click on the address and it just opens up that pop-up with the Bing map straight in there. So someone once told me like the, the great way of describing a, a good candidate for a mail app is just what you said. If, yeah. if you're ever copying, pasting something out of, yeah. right. I mean, that's a perfect candidate for yeah. it. So what you just mentioned, the the uh, uh, the highlighting, yeah. that's that's already live in OAuth, right? It is. And in fact, I encourage people, uh, why don't you send yourself an email? Hey, would you like to get together for coffee tomorrow at 10 a.m.? And when that person receives that email, it'll be underlined, and that's called a suggested meeting entity. And we have an app add-in that activates there, and you can book an appointment right in your calendar right there. Yeah. That thing gets about 300,000 clicks a week. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Really? And this is Office 365. Yeah, so this, just, wow. Yeah. The neat thing is we are doing all the heavy lifting to recognize yeah, what's yeah. a suggestion. And then you as an app developer get to take advantage of it, right? So over so, time, will we add more of those smart roles? Absolutely. All absolutely. absolutely. And, and that's what I was going to say. There's also this great line of business applications that you can build. Whether you're an architecture firm or a legal firm, you have all these kind of RFC numbers. Again, how cool would it be they could build a simple app and add in that recognizes these uh, these numbers yeah. and then show the, the FedEx one. Isn't it? I think that's an MSIT one, right? Where it, whenever you get a FedEx the shipping number, one? Yeah. Like yeah. it will launch the app and you can see like the status. So again, copy and pasting the FedEx number and pasting it into FedEx, you don't need to do that anymore. Totally. Which that. saves a lot of time. So the second thing I wanted to kind of talk about is, uh, I'm going to give it over to Ben, ben get the, the reverse model is, hey, you already have uh, mobile applications and web applications. How can I access that office data and bring it into my mobile and web applications? And that's REST APIs powered by our OAuth model, which my team owns. Where could you want to talk about uh, some of the REST APIs? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the nice thing about, one of the things I found is, since we have launched the REST APIs, when I talk to a lot of developers, when I tell them we offer a REST API with OAuth, they don't even ask me what it is. They quickly move on to the features because they're so familiar with the pattern. So that's kind of neat for us because that decreases the learning curve for anybody who wants to build apps which are connecting to Office 365. And it allows us also on our side to focus on making the APIs more and more intuitive, adding more features. And in that way, one of the first, the first thing I want to talk about is tying together kind of the richness of whether in OVA, you know, in OVA, for example, the, the ability to not just send a reply mail, but leverage some of these uh, add-ins is now in the REST API, when you fetch a message or an event, we give you a deep link. And the reason people like this deep link is, so we have customers who are building a portal for their employees and everything you need is in that portal. But what they want to be able to do is when you see a mail and you want to reply to it, maybe they want to take advantage of a line of business add-in. So they want the deep link and when you click on it, if you're already signed into Office 65, you get the over compose form. Oh, right. you, you get the OVA form, the inspector, which shows you the mail. And then all the actions there, 
are there. You can reply forward. So your add-ins are loaded. Build them out like UI itself. You can just exactly. So you don't need to go recreate that same UI because often they have to recreate the same UI to avoid additional training costs for their employees. This way, you just plop open a UI which they're familiar with. I think a great illustration is I think there was somebody who was building a school portal, so end users can log into that portal, and then they'll be showing the student, hey, here's your set of appointments that are coming up in that school portal uh, for your homework yep. and classes. But these are deep links. If you click on them, it'll take you straight into Ova, where you get more information about That's cool. uh, the calendar and, appointment. And the, and the good news also is you as an app don't have to construct what the URL looks like. Often I get questions on Stack Overflow or yeah, even internally. I tried constructing it using the item ID, but it doesn't just work right. You don't have to guess. Yeah. You, this is a property on message. This is a property in event. And if we change the way Ova constructs the URL, when you fetch it, you will get the latest URL. So, you know, you as long as your app take retrieves the property and uses it to show the message or event, then you're kind of uh, your app is not going to break. So, in that sense, it's kind of failure proof. Yeah, that's nice. And then, so, so that's that's one I'm really excited about. And then the second one is a bunch of things we've added to the calendar. Calendar APIs are very very popular, and the reason is. There's all kinds of applications. Ultimately, you have to figure out the person's schedule. And so they really want to you know, connect with calendar. All kinds of interesting applications out there. So we're trying to make our calendar API richer and richer. So some of the things is we've added support for reminders now, both to be able to get the reminder and set it. Calendar color. Me being an API guy would not have guessed how popular that feature is going to be, but I get asked all the time. My calendar looks like a rainbow. And this yeah. goes back to, yeah, my calendar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the reason it goes back to people treat Outlook often like the place to get their work done. And if they're used to seeing their calendar a certain way, if the app doesn't know what the what the original colors of these calendar events are and tries to get make its own, it completely disrupts people. Because right. they want to see the similar view, right? They really like it. So we added color. And with the nice thing about the REST APIs is, right, it's fairly easy for phone apps to either call the REST APIs directly or through a server backend. But one big request we got is, Please add support for geo coordinates because then on a phone app you can do interesting things where you, you know, the app can say, okay, because I've retrieved the geo coordinates for this event, maybe the user can click on it and take you over a map and show you where exactly the thing is, or you can navigate to it. So that stuff is uh, going out. Uh, also, time zone support really critical, especially if you know if you're setting up meetings with span time zones and you have to deal with daylight savings time, you absolutely need support for time zone. And so we've added time zone support. And uh, what we've added right now is time zone support with Windows time zones. You can retrieve, you know, and our documentation shows you what the list of time zones are. And it's on our roadmap to go add Olson support too to make it very easy for somebody who's on a non-Windows OS to develop. That's further out, but the time zone support for Windows is right here. So those are kind of a set of whole set of calendar improvements. And uh, the other, uh, you know, some of the other features I'm really, enjoyed, you know, excited about is course we are uh, we have added course support and this will be something you know will be uh, out there deployed by the time we we go to build and ignite it was eye opening for me and jeremy like i went with jeremy to angular js conference yeah it was, that was an and interesting that was really eye opening the number of people who yeah. are doing all these single page apps and how that that whole you know that whole notion has taken off and so it's kind of neat that now now that we have the course support uh these single page apps can actually leverage mail, calendar, we're, contact APIs. We were actually joking with uh, Ryan Gregg over in the OneDrive team saying about, you know, well, you beat the Exchange team, but well, they got to course first. 
but um, it, it's great to see like all of you teams getting Absolutely. there yeah. and like realizing okay, there's demand here and it's pushing through. Yeah, and not only and that's great. And the other thing we've also made sure is we work very closely with the files API folks, yeah, yeah. and others, to make sure that the way we support course is identical to the way right, they right. support. And that way, as a developer, if you're hitting all these workloads, you don't have to learn new access mechanisms. Yeah. Especially now, system. I think that goes back to the vision of the strategy, right? Like we're trying to push the ISVs to use all of our endpoints you know, as part of their solutions because yep. you get that value add of yep. the scenarios, the calendar, the inbox, uh, the contacts, the files, and then later on yep. with the groups and everything else. And yeah. I think if each of those endpoints was different or approached oh, yeah. it differently, devs would just give it up. Oh, and yeah. we've, we've done it. Like we've been in the SharePoint world and the Exchange yeah. worlds before where you know you look at the SharePoint client side object model and then you look at the Exchange EWS API and you're like, these guys work for the same company. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now like, there's this more standardized approach where if I look at the mail endpoint and then I look at the files endpoints, oh, that, that's easy to learn because I, you know, I get yeah, it. Yeah, that's actually huge because, again, as an app developer, you've limited time, right? Yeah. And if you have to go relearn three, four, or five different things, it's just too much. It was too onerous. Uh, so those are some of the, you know, that I think that was core support. The other thing we added support for is, so we have this operator filter and you can filter based, you know, when you get a collection of messages or events or any entities, you can use an operator filter to constrain the list you get. And one of the things we got many asks for was, we were letting you, letting people filter on simple properties, but when you, you know, often it's very common. I, I want to get the list of messages, but I want to filter by sender. I want to get all the ones which my manager sent me. Well, that's a complex property because it's a person who has an email address and a name, and there was no way to do that. Uh, and so okay. what we've done is we've added support for that so that there's a way in the REST API to specify, give me the list of messages in your inbox sent by this, you know, where this subfield of the sender is equals this email address. And then we, we, you know, we return it. So there are a lot of nice scenarios which can enable there. But even with that, one of the things is to make sure that filter performs well, we generally restrict what you can filter on to make sure that it's only index properties on our side. And often people have scenarios which don't match exactly what we index. So now we've gone ahead and added search facility for messages. So if one of the index properties works for you, go ahead, keep using filter. But if, for example, if you needed full text search where I want to look for any email in my inbox or even in the entire mailbox where Jeremy's mentioned in the body, we have added support for an operator called dollar search. And all you have to do is put the URL the way you do today for messages and then hit dollar search equals Jeremy in quotes and then it'll just return back everything. And the reason we're able to do it is that we did a lot of work to have that request processing be done based on fast. So our internally in Exchange, we use fast technology to index our all the content. And when you use the word, when you use the keyword search, you're actually going and searching against those indexes fast is already built. So one, it comes back fairly quick, and yeah. two, it allows automatically full text search. And so that's again our goal, you know, in line with our goal of giving you more and more capabilities so that you can kind of build richer and richer apps on top of these APIs. So that's and that's all. I mean, that's all coming from like user voice requests and user voice. With the we and... talk to a lot of yeah. developers. You know, Stack Overflow, feedback we've gotten from you, yeah. stuff we hear at conferences. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is informed. That's the nice thing with Outlook. We don't have to really reach out. You know, there's so many people have so many good ideas about how kind of what kind of applications to build with Exchange, Outlook, Outlook Service that 
makes it fairly easy for us to prioritize our roadmap. So all the things I mentioned so far and kind of the V1, which is our production version. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of new features we put out. These are publicly available, but in our beta namespace because we want everyone to try it out, give us feedback on the shape of the APIs. Yeah. And then at some point, you know, uh, we, we will, once we think that, okay, the API shape is final, we'll graduate it to but the, I guess the production. thing there is that like, like we've done with the, when we shipped the previews in March of last year, those endpoints might change, like the naming or the structure. They might change, right? And and it's a a chance for everyone to go use them and give us feedback. But yes, we might make changes before we move them to the production namespace based on what feedback we get. And what what, what's in that beta? Beta, yeah. Actually, I should I should have said so. The search we right now added in the beta namespace. I said we want the full text search. Full text searches and beta because we want to see how that goes, and then. you can get a user's picture, the authenticated user's picture. This thing in a very popular yes, ask. Yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, the ability to get a user's picture and we let you, there's an API call, get you uh, just user slash, I think, uh, me slash user photo to get the best available resolution. And then we also give you a collection called me slash user photos, which gives you different, because when we somebody uploads a picture, we slice and dice and store different Right. Resolution that we give you a collection. And the nice thing is, by default, you just get the metadata of the picture so that if you fetch me, you don't end up getting a huge picture object. And then if you hit slash dollar value, you restream you the Can you get content. other users' photos that way as well? Uh, uh, that's absolutely something we're working on, not available yet. Yeah, yeah that's the next most popular thing because yeah. once you have the authenticated user's picture and you have anyone in their org, then in an app, you can really make it light up, right, right. make it very personal. And so we said, let's get the authenticated one. That would be nice for your app, too. Yeah, well, I mean, just the, just the user's picture, right? I mean, yeah. who doesn't, I mean, to, that kind of validates. When you go into an app and you see your picture up in the corner, you yeah. know that it's it's, it's me, me, right? Yes. And, and everything's secured by what I can see. Yeah. So yes. I, think, I think that is a, a huge point. A Co- yeah. couple of things we're working on. One is the ability to get pictures of other people in other, other parts of the art, uh, you know, anyone else in the art. And the other one is uh, being able to set your picture. That's coming too. That's right. not that's not going to be there for build, but right after build, we hope to give people a way to set their picture. Because from a phone, very convenient, right? right Take right. a picture, upload it. This one's a big one, I think, for like our listeners that might be in the SharePoint space, right? They typically would say, "Oh, I need to go to like user profiles to try to get a picture," right? That that tends to live behind a very secure host name, right? And, and so it doesn't always work well. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, if you have different IE security zones, bringing those pictures up can be somewhat problematic. Or, yeah. you know, go into AD where maybe a picture got synced, but that's a small little 10K thing. Here in Exchange, we have, you know, really nice high resolution pictures and we yeah. can get different scales of that. So. And that's the other thing the, picture, the API does for you internally is if you've got, if you upload an HD picture, then it'll serve you the HD picture. If you didn't, then it, it goes, fetches it from AD, uh, you know, from Active Directory, so that you get something back. But one of the things I laugh at when I look at some of the pictures of people, like Preeti, she's been here for many times, and I can't recognize the person from the picture. <laughs> and part of it is because it's hard you. to go, well, Preeti, she's okay, but I'm saying, right, a lot of people have been here, and it's because it's a pain. It's not easy to replace your picture. And what we want to do in the future is, uh, once we have the set picture, set photo API available too, then you're at a conference, you can take a picture right there from your phone, upload it, and change it, or you can keep it fresh. Uh, so make it really easy. That, that is a good photo. Yeah. That's a good yeah. picture. Yeah. I said like Preeti. Not <laughs> yeah. and I'm not going to mention the people. You know, the, the feature I think maybe you're most excited about, tons of people ask for it, webhooks. 
Webhook so is a web webhook as well, because when I first joined Microsoft, that webhook were like not being familiar with our data. Yeah, it's uh, so it's if an app wants basically to get notified when something changes rather than continuously polling, it can. You know, it needs it needs notifications. So it's like and, a, a SQL trigger or a, an event exactly. receiver in SharePoint. And a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a webhook is the popular term today for what used to be called push, push notification, which yeah. basically means the service will push a notification to an endpoint the app registered uh, when something changes. So, for example, I can say, notify me when an email gets sent. Right. And the way it would do it is, usually it's not the app. One of the things we found is most of these apps have some kind of a server backend running. There's a server. And so the server, therefore, is highly available, and it has an endpoint which you can publish. So what it'll do is it'll subscribe to Outlook service and say, for Pritish, anytime anything changes with the sent items folder, notify me. That Right? And then it says, when you notify me, post back to this, basically send... The message back to this endpoint. Yeah. Right. And then what we what we do is we get the subscription, and the subscription stays for uh, I forget some amount of time. I think uh, it's seventy two hours, and you can keep renewing it. Basically, right. an app can keep renewing it. And then if uh, Preetish sends an email, that because the sent items folder gets updated, a notification goes out saying. You know, there was a change, and by the way, here here's the ID of the item and that you're interested that work in. For like, if I have updated a contact or updated the mail, you can do it for a contact. You can do it for a calendar. Tell me if anything in the calendar changes. Yeah, yeah. You can do it for tell me anytime a new email arrives in the inbox, right? That's basically, cool. what happens is when you file it, when you add a subscription, you basically provide a resource URL. Yeah, yeah, and it's that's what which you're interested in monitoring. And then we monitor it for you. Right, okay. So that's and something so, that stays like on the, the user's um, exchange profile, or is that there's some sort of new mechanism that's keeping track of those subscriptions? Oh, underneath the covers, there's a lot of machinery. Like we try to make the API very simple. Mm -hmm. Underneath the covers, there's a lot of machinery we built inside Outlook Service to kind of monitor, they register the subscriptions and you know, monitor when something has changed. And more importantly, because we have a highly available service. We keep multiple copies of users' mailbox, and often these mailboxes, it can get failed over. So if the server is unhealthy, we fail over all these mailboxes to a different server. Right? All of this happens pretty much automatically. The beauty is once you register a subscription, we've made sure that if your mailbox gets uh, failed over, the subscription travels with the mailbox. So you're not impacted by it. Because this was one of the things we ran into with Exchange Web Services, the older uh, API we learned is in that case you lose your subscription if the mailbox gets failed over and so then the app has to re-register for all those users right and so with the with the rest API you don't run into that problem and so that's a big benefit nice. and also these the same infrastructure is leveraged by other products with an exchange as well so that the behavior implicitly for a user will end up, end up being the same whether you're using one of exchange Microsoft's Mail products or whether you know it's a different app. That's kind of the goal. The, the neat thing about this is is that the, all those APIs, all the hooks and the right, the hooks obviously now is overloaded term with the web hooks as a technology, right? But all the endpoints that are available, um, that notion of extending the UI, whether it's a compose or whether it's a read mail app, or I think the thing that people are starting to click as we're showing these demos is it doesn't have to be just contained into Outlook. You know? No, it doesn't. You can be in a Word app calling the Exchange API, online APIs and get at this information 
and, and do things in that context as well. And I think that's where we're seeing a lot of these ISVs come up with some really cool solutions where you're you're just extending a product somewhere and it could be your own product. Yeah. But being able to call into those REST APIs and and part of the other aspect of it really is around the this notion of like we're not just talking about the commercial aspect of Exchange Online, right? That's right. This is 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 moving forward now is not just Exchange Online, but Outlook.com too. Huge opportunity. We have like 400 million active users in Outlook.com. Yeah. And everything we talked about here, whether it's the REST APIs connecting to Office or Exchange, or extending uh, Outlook or Word using the add-in model, is coming to Outlook.com. Okay. These APIs, the same app, you can use the same APIs, and very soon, this model will be coming to Outlook.com, so your app will just work there. Right. And the, the difference would be in the sign-in process, of course. The Outlook.com users would use their MSA account uh, to sign into your app. Uh, so the MSA, again, right. like, like Hotmail, Outlook.com, MSN, MSN Live. Hotmail still, some yeah, it's like, yeah, all those yeah. different things. You sign in with those email addresses, yeah. what we call MSA, yeah. acronym, <laughs> and uh, Office 65 is your own business account, right? Okay. Which is at Contoso.com or, yeah. And, and what the neat part about that is, is you know, like you can build those mail apps with both those platforms. But from an app model perspective, I can also use that same kind of learning curve to build for Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Access, SharePoint. Like the learning curve is is exactly the same, which is cool. And I know that's benefited you, Rich, in terms of when you're building is spiking these little apps to demo these things that you're not relearning the wheel every time you need to build for one of our products. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, whether it's picking up like a new, you know, I come from a SharePoint background, similar to you, Jeremy, and Although I'd worked with things like, you know, EWS in the past, I mean, that tends to be, you know, relatively complex and kind of unique in terms of how you, you know, add a service reference, you know, being able to deal with, you know, pure OAuth, or I'm sorry, OData and OAuth, um, you know, to me, that's something that, you know, carries across, you know, all these very easily. So it's been, you know, easy to, you know, become proficient in being able to build cool things that integrate with. With One thing um, I wanted to add is truly build once, one everywhere, uh, yeah, particularly yeah. with the add-ins, because it's HTML5 and JavaScript. So it's truly we've embraced this cross-platform yeah. Uh, yeah, model. Right. Uh, where you can and that, that term's been used a lot. I think Saul was joking. Actually, funny enough, it was at that, no, uh, ng-conf, was that, well, yeah, that was Java's slogan 10 years ago, right? And that didn't really happen that well. Mm -hmm. But this kind of the architecture, it it does do it. And we, we previewed some stuff at TechEd Europe where, well, the app that you wrote in Word actually works on the iPad version of Word now Absolutely. without touching that code at all. Okay. Uh, and we'll continue to do that with Android and then with the Windows 10 Office versions as well. So it's really compelling that it, it literally is right at once and it will work across our yeah. commercial stuff and our consumer stuff. And, and our goal, our strategy there is irrespective of the platform they choose, whether it's for the APIs and you know, for the apps for the HTML and JavaScript, we, we are working to increase kind of the target market for this app you're investing in writing so that, you know, the audience you can go seek for right. your app becomes larger and larger. And so, for example, we started with Office 365, Outlook.com obviously is the next big chunk we want to add. Yeah. And then we want to go beyond that, right? And there's, so there's some crazy numbers too, like you yeah. just mentioned about Outlook.com users. So I wanted to touch on that again. It's going to be a huge opportunity. Uh, build your app once and... I really, really mean it will work with Outlook.com. And, you know, we're working with a partner, DocuSign. Obviously, they have an app today, an add-in today that works with Office 65 users. They're working to make sure now it'll work with Outlook.com, test yeah. it, and so forth. But it's going to be the same APIs, so they don't have to make uh, much changes. There's a crazy stat I heard yesterday. Uh, we've been putting together some slides. 
And it was the 850 million events occurred in the exchange online within Office 365 a month. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous to think like what else is going on there in terms of the petabytes of data in the files, storage, and the amount of mail traffic that goes through each of these things. And I think the webhooks is going to add a whole level of intelligence there Absolutely. in terms of what people can build and uh, logic they can build around it. Yeah, you know, basically webhooks is a big has been a big ask. The other thing which we're working on and will release to is uh, sync. Again, won't, uh, I don't think uh, it won't be for build and ignite. But then once you have notifications and sync, yeah. you can build some very powerful apps right, right. on the mobile. Like if you want to have an offline app, right, which goes offline periodically, then that like works like a charm. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, one other the, idea. The good, the good thing with what we've been doing with the training on devdoffice.com slash training is where we know these things are coming out. I've got people building and updating a lot of that training content so that as soon as we ship this stuff, there'll be hands-on labs, samples, slides, that people can go and grab and watch the videos and, and yep. kind of get up to speed on these things as well. And again, internally with our documentation team, they're keeping up with yeah. that pace as well. I mean, it gets, does get hard. You guys are shipping stuff really quick, but um, no, I think it's a great job of staying of, on top of yeah, it, I think. Yeah, which is, which is great. So for people out there, just go to dev.office.com. Um, in the resources tab, there's a bunch of information there and the documentation tab too. So it's definitely the best place to kind of get, get going on these things. And Build, you guys are going to be there, right? You've yep. got some sessions. Um, there at Build and at Ignite, both. Yeah. And everyone, anyone listening in, we'd love to hear from you. A call to action, you know, feel free to reach us out. We'll be in Build if those yeah. are going to be there. Or... Yeah, we've got a, a ginormous booth at Build and a ginormous booth at Ignite as well, which these guys will be on. So if you're there at either of those events, come say hi and ask your questions. Grill them hard on... Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, we want you to try out all these APIs and the apps, but especially anything in the beta namespace. Yeah. I really would love feedback because you have an opportunity to go influence. If you if you like it the way it is, then tell us. If you don't like it, you have an opportunity to... And where's, where's, where's the like best place for them to tell, tell you that stuff? We monitor Stack Overflow very closely. Yeah. That's great. User voice would be one Let's more. Instead of a user voice. Instead of a user voice. But a lot of our feedback comes through Stack Overflow. We watch that very closely. We try to respond fairly quickly. So we have people in the team who monitor it on a daily basis. So if nothing else, go to Stack Overflow. I think the tag we use is Office 365. Yeah, Office 365. If you post on it, then one of us will know. So Yeah, yeah. if you go to, when you go to dev.office.com, we link off to all those resources directly from the homepage. That's the best way to kind of navigate to all those different platforms. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time, guys. I know you're extremely busy, like building decks and demos and Getting, the, oh, getting your guys to ship stuff. So um, I appreciate you having some time to do the show. And then we'll definitely get you on again like later on in the year to hear what else you guys have been up to in the exchange world. And Rich, thank you. I know you've got some extremely high-profile stuff you're working on at the moment. So, you know, it could be a career-limiting move if those demos don't work in uh, 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 certain keynote. No pressure, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> I have a lot of confidence that they're going to rock. So it's going to be an exciting keynote for Bill for sure. Cool. Right. Well, um, well, next week I'll be in London, so I'm going to get a bunch of the, the guys over there. So you hear some more accents talking about the Evolution show, and then we'll have Build, and then we'll have Ignite. So we've got some good shows coming up. And uh, have a good week, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com dev, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.